The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. As Abby said, we're in the book of Romans. This is our third week. Uh, We're going verse by verse through the last five chapters. So week one, we just kind of did an overview of the first 11. Last week, we did the first verse of chapter 12. Today, we'll do the second verse of chapter 12. So very simple. We've slowed down tremendously after doing 11 chapters in a a Sunday. Uh, We're going to do one verse today. If you were not able to make it last week, it's this pretty simple idea that because of God, okay, so meaning because of God, who he is, how righteous he is, how merciful he is, all these big church words, because of God and what specifically he has done by giving his son Jesus, he is so merciful that Paul, the person who wrote the book of Romans, is saying, hey, your reasonable response to that, not an extravagant response, not an unbelievable response, your reasonable response, your true and proper worship would be to offer your body as a living sacrifice, to give everything. If everything was given for you, it's reasonable then for God to say, I would like everything from you in return. And that's a big concept, right? That's, that's hard to really completely swallow. But that's what we talked about last week. And that's a command, off your body is living sacrifice. And now there's another command. But before we get into this in verse two, who in the room is just known for changing their minds? Okay, you're, you're indecisive. You're known for changing your minds. The people that love you, they, they, they take care of it. They tolerate it. But they just know that if it's plan A today, it's going to be B tomorrow, and it'll probably end up being plan X by the time it's all said and done. But you just, you're indecisive, and that's just who you are. And that's, it's fine. You say, I have the right to change my mind. Well, the verse we're going to look at today, God says, hey, I need you to change your mind. I need you to renew the way you think. But if you do this, If you do this, something really amazing is going to happen. You're going to be able to know the will of God. And I I just want us to pause for a second. That's big. That's really amazing. So God, you're saying that you've already given me everything I need because of your mercy. You're asking for me to give everything in return. And then the next thing that comes out of your mouth is, I need you to be transformed. And then by renewing your mind, you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. I, I just am blown away by that, just the idea that that's possible. Because I, I work under this assumption. If I knew the will of God for my life, if I knew what a sovereign God, who's way, way smarter than I am, if I knew what he wanted from Todd today, if I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I could even test and approve, oh, yep, that is you, God, that is your voice, that would be an amazing life. So much so that you're even sitting here right now, some of you are going, ah, I don't know if that's possible. That sounds a little out there. Like, I mean, I understand feeling pretty confident that you're living within God's will, but to be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, perfect will simply by allowing him to renew our mind, that's, I'm in. I'll at least listen. And so let's read our passage here. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to grab verse 1 just because we only have one verse, but I want to read it together. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, the fact that he gave his one and only son, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now that sacrifice needs to be holy and pleasing to God. It needs to be pure. It needs to be regenerate. We talked about that last week. 
This is your true and proper worship. We said reasonable worship is probably a little bit better translation there. So this is, this is reasonable in light of what God has done. And then Paul goes on, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't be stuck into this world. Don't, don't look like this world. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we could stop there and you'd be like, I get it. Sacrifice, be transformed, don't look like the world. That, that all goes perfectly together. But then there's this beautiful cherry on top of the Sunday that says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. Once again, that's, that's a bold idea for, for us, just random folks, to be able to know the will of God. Let's break this down uh, just kind of a phrase at a time. He starts off by saying, do not conform yourself to the patterns of this world. Um, I don't know how to read Greek, but there's people that are smart, way smarter than me that do, and so I, they, they did this for me. Um, the verb tense changes between verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 2 is a present tense verb, meaning um, do this continually. This is to be done all the time. Do not conform to the patterns of the world at all, anytime. Okay, it's present tense. Do not do that. The verb tense changes. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The word world is metaphorical, okay? Obviously, it's talking about the land that we live on, but really it's more about this present age. A similar term is used in Galatians 1 verse 4. Okay, so Paul, same author, writing to a different town in Galatia. He says this, uh, Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Very similar word to the word world. Okay, this present evil age. He did this according to his will, the will of our God and Father. So Jesus came to rescue us from this present evil age. Paul is saying, do not conform yourselves to this present evil age. Why is that? Because this present evil age, this world is ruled by a guy that we call Satan. And Satan has a ton of power. Now he is limited by the will of God, but he has a ton of power. And what Paul is saying is, hey, this world, you need to live like aliens, like visitors knowing that you need to be in the world, but not of the world. You need to know that your home is in heaven, signed, sealed, delivered. If you want to call on the name of Jesus, that's amazing. But in doing so, you need to renounce this world and the things in it, the patterns of this world. Now, there are many, but if we're to really look at it, really take in the landscape, most of the patterns of this world can fall into one of three subcategories. This world is kind of run by money, sex, and power. Those are three things that I would identify as patterns of this world. Money, sex, power. I, I know when you read this, you're thinking uh, other like sinful type things. What, what about lying? What about lust? What about what? Well, if you think about it, those all kind of fit within one of those buckets. And the problem with all of those buckets is that none of those things, money, sex, or power, are inherently bad. The world has just corrupted them. And that's why Paul's saying, don't fall into those patterns. God created money, and money's not bad. When does it become bad? When we become slaves to it. When we think that we have to have it for our security. If you think of some of the wealthiest people you know, oftentimes they're some of the saddest. Why is that? Because the world has jacked up money, something that's not in and of itself bad. Sex, we know the world has perverted sex. Oh, heavens, and I'm, I'm not going to go down that road any further, but it can be something good and glorifying to God. 
That's what Paul's saying. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Money, sex, power, this world has taken these things that could be good and could be for God and corrupted them. And there are many, 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 many in this room, including myself, who need to be very cognizant and aware that this world and its patterns have a big influence on us. And Paul's saying, if you want to be a living sacrifice, one that's pure, pleasing to God, you're going to need to be very aware that the patterns of this world are not to be touched. You aren't conform to the patterns of this world, but instead, instead what? Be transformed. Be transformed. Literally, the word means be transfigured. Look different. Look different than the world. Look like Jesus. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this idea. And once again, it's one of those concepts like be a living sacrifice. You're like, all right, I get the idea, but it's very hard to actually do. And now I'm up here going, you need to look like Jesus. And you're like, I'm not Jesus. Sorry, I'm just not. I'm not going to look like him. Okay, but what Paul is laying out here is a need for transformation. And it's a process. Let me ask you this. When people look at you, what do they see? Okay. Now, I'm not saying when you look in the mirror, what's looking back. Okay, because that delves into your self-worth. And I pray that when you look in the mirror, you see a loved creation of God. Okay, I, I pray that's what you see when you look in the mirror. But I'm talking about when I look at you. Okay, when I look at you, I'm not talking about your physical attributes. I'm not talking about whether you're smart or not. I'm not talking about whether you're fast or slow. When I look at you, do I see reflected in you Jesus? Obviously not like full on. Just enough where you're going, that person's different. Like everyone else in the world, they kind of look like this. And in different ways, obviously we have unique traits, but everyone else kind of looks like this. But when I look at this person... I see something in them that's different. They just, they don't seem to worry as much. The way they talk, it's, it's like they actually care. It's like they're not completely motivated by themselves. It's like there's this other force that's driving them. I can't put my finger on it, but it's just good. When people look at you, what do they see? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. It is a process. It will take your entire life. You probably, if you're like me, will never end up looking completely like Jesus. But there is a way for you to look more like him. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces, now because of the grace of God, we can get a glimpse, a glimpse of Jesus. We with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Okay, that's, that's big, but let's just keep it real simple. When is the last time that you sat and just contemplated the grandeur of God? The glory of God. See, I, I personally, I want a God that's very compartmentalized. I want a God that I can understand. And so for me to just look, think, contemplate the glory of the Lord, that's something that I don't do. And I think I don't do it, one, because I'm lazy, and two, because it kind of scares me. Because when you sit there with an unveiled face by the grace of God and you start to look at how beautiful he is, 
that is step one of this process of beginning to reflect him. You see, I went to like a Bible college. See, I think I know quite a bit of stuff about God in the word. But one of the things we've been striving for as a church since the beginning of 2019 is to be a people that want more of him, that see that we, what we have is just minuscule compared to the grandeur of who he is. And we need to sit and we need to contemplate on that. I'm not saying all day long, just God, you're huge. But to understand and to know that and to step into that truth and to say, ah, when I think of the glory of the Lord, it is overwhelming it begins to do something in me through what? The Spirit. Let's finish verse 18. Who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed. Being, present is, they're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. As you sit there and contemplate and more and more, and as the Holy Spirit, we'll see in just a minute, begins to transform you from the inside out, ever increasing just a little bit more, day by day, you start to look more and more like him. And it's a beautiful thought. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the two-step process, got to see what we're trying to attain. Got to more than just know him, you've got to experience him. And you've got to allow the Spirit to come and start to change you knock some of the patterns of this world off and transform you into the image of Jesus. So Paul wants us to look like Jesus. He also wants us to think like Jesus. So do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. A new way of thinking, a Jesus way of thinking, a renewing of your mind. Titus 3 verse 5, it says, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, not because you deserved it, but because of his mercy. That's chapter 12, verse 1, just again, right there. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. A new body and a new mind, renewed by the Holy Spirit. Because of God's great mercy, he has called us to no longer perform the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing, by allowing the Spirit to do this. It's a wonderful, new, and godly way to look at life. You, have you ever noticed in the Gospels, uh, those, are the, those are the four books that tell the story of Jesus' life, there's multiple times where people question him. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And sometimes he addresses it directly, but always, always, the overarching general sentiment is, I'm doing it because the Father's telling me to do it. When Jesus is about to be crucified, Pilate's like, hey, just stop. And Jesus just looks at him, has some few words, but then he goes, hey, all I'm doing is what the Father's commanded me to do. It's his will. Very early in his ministry, um, Jesus was embarrassing the family. Mother Mary, you know, the saint, the, the big dog, Mother Mary came, said, you need to come home with me, and she brought her boys with her. Uh, me and your brothers are here to get you, Jesus, because you're embarrassing the family. You're doing stuff that a good Jewish boy ain't supposed to do. And I need you to come home. And he says, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? My family is the people that do the will of God. I'm not, I'm not here doing it. I'm just here to do the will of God. Now, he's Jesus, right? So what does he have? What internally does he have 
that allows him to know, hey, I'm just here today doing the will of God. I'm going to the cross today because I'm doing the will of God. Does he have an earbud in that God's just like, all right, son, uh, today, today we're going to go do the evil d- demonic uh, thing that's going to get you in a lot of trouble with your mom, but just know um, she's going to come and she's going to embarrass you, but you're going you're gonna to stick with me. Does he have that? And my answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. I'm just here doing the will of God. And through this renewing of your mind, and I know it sounds far-fetched, but through this renewing of your mind, I believe that all of us can have the same type connection with the Father. Where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this today because God's telling me to do it. My mind has been renewed, and Paul says it. By the renewing of your mind, then, then, once the Holy Spirit's done that, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. I still can't believe that's in there. I really can't. And I know I'm showing all my cards right now, but I just, that is amazing. How do you live as a sacrifice to God? You, do, you daily do his will. He can't ask us to do this and not then give us a means to know daily what his will is. What does faithful obedience look like? Doing the will of God every single day. I'm happy if I feel like I'm doing the will of God kind of in a year. But to daily be a living sacrifice, to daily throw off the patterns of this world, I need to be transformed and I need to have a new mind so that I can know the will of God and I can test and approve it. In the first service, and I see a bunch of college students in this one as well. In the first service this morning, it was like, 100 college students. And so I, I, get, I love seeing young people, 18, 24 years of age, get to meet with a lot of young people. A lot of young people, though, have big, big life choices, right? Can you remember back when you're 18 to 24, you're just like, whew, am I mature enough for this? Like, I'm going to pick what I'm going to do for life. I'm probably going to meet the person I'm going to marry. I'm going to, uh, this, there's a lot of stuff that I could sure use some guidance for. And so what do they do? They come to Pastor Yoda, Todd, and they say, can you tell me, can you tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life? And there's what they use. They say, I just want to know God's will for my life. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love that. But we need to use different terms. Because what you're asking for is not the will of God. What you're asking for is a roadmap. And the will of God is actually summarized very simply. It's to be faithful and obedient with the opportunities that you have today. That's the will of God. Now, does God in his sovereignty know the roadmap? Yes, but in my experience, he has never once, that I'm aware of, ever given anyone that roadmap. And for those of you with a little bit more gray in your hair, as you've looked back over your life, you can look back now and go, hey, I appear to have been on quite a journey. But in those seasons where you go, I was, you know, I needed God to tell me who to marry. It's, well, God, speak to your spirit. Like, is this person good, bad? Yes, but like, you're never going to get the name written on the board. Am I going to be happy? Am I going to be wealthy? What career should I pursue? See, we, we say, I want to lay that before the Lord. I, no, what we want is we want to know. And he says, I'm probably not going to tell you that. Because if I give you the next five years of your life, what's going to keep you being faithful and obedient today? What's going to keep you living for me today if I give you the roadmap for the next five years? I'll take care of tomorrow. You just do today. And a lot of us, we don't want to hear that. But you want to know the great thing about tomorrow? 
tomorrow becomes today tomorrow. You can write that down. It's really unique. I'm sure there's commas and different things. But tomorrow becomes today tomorrow. And God says, you give me tomorrow, and when it becomes today, I'll give you what you need for that day. I'll give you what you need. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you. If you'll be faithful and obedient, I, you will be able to know my will for you today. And I love this. He says, you can even test it and approve it. Now that's kind, right? So when you're saying, how am I supposed to be faithful and obedient to you, God, today? And you go, hey, God, I think I'm hearing you say this. Is, is this true? And he goes, yes, yes. He doesn't expect this completely blindfold. It's it, God, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing you. Is that true? Test it. It's approved. Now do it. We walk in faith, not by sight. A life that is pleasing to God. That's good. That he would even say is perfect. Is a life lived fulfilling his will. You see, we miss the object of that good, pleasing, perfect. The good, pleasing, perfect is talking about the will of God. Not necessarily your life following the will of God. Now, there are promises that God works for the good of those who love him. Okay, but it may not always feel good. It may not always be pleasing. And there's gonna be moments where you're like, this cannot be perfect. But his will is. And so here's the deal. This world has thrown me some curveballs. I'm sure if you've lived more than a decade, you know what I'm talking about. But I've got to fall back to the position. I have to, I have to, or this whole thing crumbles. I have to fall back to the position that this sovereign God knows what is good, pleasing, and perfect for him and for his glory. And then I get to wake up each day and I get to choose to be a living sacrifice that no longer conforms to the patterns of this world but it's being transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the renewing my mind that allows me then to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. I've got to fall back on that. And that's where we see the mercies of God. And that's where we start to look more like Jesus. It's crazy. We're only two verses into this. But this idea is earth shattering. It's so amazing that we have this at our disposal. So since we do, can I ask you a bunch of questions? Okay, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions here. Kind of walking back through verse 2. You know the answers to them. I don't. God does. person sitting next to you may or may not. Okay? So let's just focus on our own test. Okay? <sighs> Number one. Would you say you are more conformed to the patterns of this world or to the patterns of God? Now, I don't see God up there with a scale going, oh, you know, he's kind of godly like this, and, but not really, he's more worldly here. I don't see God doing this, but I'm giving you the freedom to do so just for a moment today, just to kind of start this off on a level playing field. Where would you say you tend to lean more? Patterns of this world, godliness. This is just an evaluation of your last six months. Okay. How can the mercy of God liberate you from the desires of this world, the patterns of this world 
that you are enslaved by? How can the mercy of God liberate you from these bonds? How can the mercy of God liberate you? You need to know what you are being liberated from and that God has already paid the price for you to be so liberated. But what can the mercy of God liberate you from? For some of you, it's very simple. For some of you, you talk about this all the time. For others, the answer to this question is that part of your soul that no one knows about, no one knows about, and you are going to make sure no one ever does know. And that is absolutely, absolutely the part that God wants to free you from. Absolutely. So you've got to figure that out. What stinking thinking do you need God to renew your mind from? What kind of bad thoughts do you allow to captivate you, which makes it hard to hear the will of God? Let me give you an easy one that many of you are probably dealing with right now because of the content of this message. Here's, Here's an easy one. Doubt. You need God to renew your mind to remove the doubt because right now you're going, I'm not completely sure I believe this is possible. This guy's up here, seems to be pretty convincing that I can know the will of God for my life for today. Seems to be pretty passionate about it too, pretty amped up, but I am not convinced that I'm gonna be able to hear the voice of God and know what in the world I'm supposed to do today. And doubt is limiting you. And you need God to renew that part of your mind. Fear, worry, all of those things go with it. Things that keep us from hearing the voice of God and following his will. Will you ask God to renew that part of your mind? Just to to strip those things away that are keeping you from hearing his voice. Here's a big one. So I'm going to ask you, and you decide if you're willing to do it or not. Will you ask the Holy Spirit to transform you into the image of Jesus? Will you invite that process into your life? Will you willingly say, I know I'm not Jesus now, but Spirit, you're part of him. Can you come make me look more like Jesus? And here's why that's such a big deal, because you're sitting there going, well, sure, why not? Let's do it. Um, It could change everything. It could radically mess with your current life. I just want to make sure you know that ahead of time. If you invite this process into your life, you're like, all right, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. There are going to be pieces of you that you have grown very comfortable with that are going to need to be taken away. And I think that's what stops this process for many of us, is it's comfort. I, I want like the power of Jesus. I want the goodness of Jesus. I want the kindness of Jesus. I want these things, but not necessarily the sacrifice of Jesus, not necessarily the way of thinking, selflessness. It's kind of scary when we start to think, man, I could really look like Jesus. Whew. That, would, that would be a different version of me. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. But will you ask the Holy Spirit to do that, to to help transform you? Will you ask God to loudly reveal his will for you today? Because remember, if we ask for, show me your will for the next five years, that's a roadmap thing, and more than likely, we're not going to get that answer back. But God, can you tell me what you want from me today? That I think is part of this scripture. That's part of this promise. And I think he'll do that. 
Now we need to throw off the things of this world. We need to be willing to die to ourselves. There's, there's some steps that come before that. We need to renew our minds or allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds so that we can hear, hear this voice and not be you know, convoluted by other voices, mainly our own and the world's. So, but would you be willing to ask God to reveal his will to you for today? And are you, are you willing to sacrifice to fulfill that will? Jesus, probably some of his most famous words, not my will, but yours be done. Are you willing to sacrifice your will to follow his will? I have this thought, okay? I have this thought. And this concept that it's big, right? I mean, if you really sit and think about what we've talked about this morning, it's big. It's a huge idea. So in order to make it more bite-sized, I have this thought. And the band, you can go and come back up here. What if, what if we just gave God the next four hours of our life? And here's what I mean. Hey, God, um, I've got this plan. Um, I'm going to sit through the next 20 minutes of music. I'm going to grab a few more donut holes on the way out the door. But then I'm, those are just the appetizers because the, the biggest question I've got is where I'm going to go to lunch. But I don't want to go anywhere that's going to take too long because I got this date with the couch and my comfy britches. And the Chiefs and the Ravens are going to be a great game. And um, I would like to get there as soon as possible. And I would love to spend the rest of the next four hours doing exactly what I want to do. What if we got nutty? What if we just went crazy, 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 crazy town? And we just said, for the next four hours, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. Will you tell me what opportunities that I have in the next four hours? Because I, I did this in the first service and it was, it was fresh, but so I'll just, I'll repeat it again because I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to hear more of what God wants. But I was gone for the last four days. My beautiful wife and I got to go to St. Louis on her work's dime, had a great time. Kids stayed home with the, the in-laws. I mean, just whew, recommend it. Highly recommend it. But see, what I want to do this afternoon is I want to watch football and do nothing. See, I've got these three boys that I haven't seen in four days. And I just, I really felt like what I was supposed to do is say no to football and say yes to them. And like, you go, that's the will of God for your afternoon. That's not world changing. No, it's not. But it's big to them. It matter to them. See, we get this misconception that like, if in the next four hours, I'm not called to go to India and spend the rest of my life there, that I, we are not hearing the will of God. Well, the chances of you being on a plane heading to India in the next four hours are slim. Now, you can sign up to go to Belize in a few months, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. What if we just got nutty enough to say, okay, Jesus, I believe this. I believe this. Tell me what you want from me for the next four hours. With great confidence, I can tell you what the next 20 minutes would look like. 
I, I, I assure you that one of the things that God desires, and you're here already, so I mean, you can, I mean, you can leave, but you're here. One of the things that God desires for the next 20 minutes is for you to tell him how great he is. We call that worship. We call that response. And some of you are very uncomfortable with that. So what he's telling you to do is get over yourself and love on him. Some of you are burdened. And every week we talk about how we have prayer and how prayer unlocks the power of God, but you're just like, I don't really want to get uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe literally what God is calling you in the next 20 minutes to do is to listen to his offer of freeing you from that burden if you will just cast it upon him. You can, you can choose. Faithful, obedient or not, you, you can choose. But what do you think would happen? Seriously, church, what do you think would happen if we all went ahead and did this? All I know for sure is that God would be glorified and that his will for your next four hours, it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. That's all I know for sure. No guarantee on my will. What I want for the next four hours probably isn't as good, probably isn't as pleasing, and I can go ahead and just say for sure it's not perfect. But his is, if you will listen and obey. So for those of you who are up to the challenge, let's see what happens. Father, Speak to us now, where your children are listening. It requires faith to step into this relationship with you. You've paved the way by your mercy. May we faithfully and obediently glorify you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's respond to him.